0: Welcome to this week's Fatal Critics Podcast, I'm Steve Norman, joined this week by Owen Hughes. Hello. And Tony Black. Evening all.
2: Well, we're not the returning Tony Black and Owen Hughes this week. Last week we were all returning. (laughs) This inconsistency is going to confuse listeners, Steve.
1: We're just going in a loop now.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Just what you have to do is just imagine that all of our listeners are imbeciles.
0: <laughs> so everyone is returning every week. So everyone knows. I don't, what's I don't know if I've got to imagine that.
1: <laughs> you, you do have the opportunity to sort of do a play on the classic Mark Morrison hit "Return of the Mac" with my uh, surname, though. You know, if, if you wanted, it's it's there. It's there for you if you want it.
0: Yeah, pro- yeah I, just, puns. I, just, I just worry if people don't know it, don't know I'm talking about you, it could lead to some some problems. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, good point.
1: Well, we've, we've, we'll we've be offended be enough blocked. people last week. Let's be honest. We, yeah, uh, yeah.
2: Although, to be honest, with Theresa May's new laws, we'll probably be blocked from all internet service <laughs> providers eventually. Anyway.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No. All this go. stuff
2: about explicit content, people are going to have to tell their ISPs they want to listen to the Failed Critics podcast. Start the petition now. Yeah, good luck with that. Not to May not to block Failed Critics.
0: I don't to tell people I know about this podcast, let alone the <laughs> Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll crack straight on because we've got a lot to come up. We've got, actually got some news this week to talk about. Uh, a triple bill of um, favourite Eddie Redmayne, Colin Farrell and Ron Perlman films as they are all starring in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them as well as a review of that film as well and some other bits and pieces. We're going to start with the quiz. What I'm hosting, I'm also 1-0 up and Owen is answering for him, Tony is answering for me and I noticed in this film, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, there were a few actors who had started off their acting career in prime time British TV programs, sitcoms, dramas, whatever. For example, Colin Farrell began his very worthy career in Kiss Angel. Mm.
1: <laughs> Classic show.
0: So what? I've, so yeah. So what I've done here is found five actors who started their careers in these type of shows, or, or early in their career in these type of shows, and um, multiple choice. You have to pick which one you think the answer is. So we'll start with Eddie Redmayne, who's also in this film. And did he appear in Doctors, Casualty, or Holby City? Back in 2003.
2: Everyone's been in Casualty. Uh uh, cool,
0: did, but did he star in the slightly more upmarket Holby City? Uh, I mm. mean, th- don't don't focus too much on starring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, appearing.
2: He fell off the ladder. In, um, yeah, a good casualty. I think casualty.
1: Uh, I I reckon doctors. Loads of people were in doctors. So, yeah.
0: Tony, you are correct. Oh, oh. <laughs> Wow. Okay. He played. He played he played Rob Huntley in an episode called Crescendo.
1: Oh, of course, I remember that very well. Yeah, what a great what a great piece of television. Doctors is like watching. You know when you go
2: on these like um, team building courses or whatever, and they show you these instructional videos about how not to behave in the workplace. And you say, that's an episode of Doctors. It's yeah. just like I had you know I'm a student. I had a bit of time during the day. Sue me, you know. And I watched an episode of Doctors or two. But um, yeah, it's awful stuff. <laughs>
1: it's just terrible, awful TV. But it does have he does have Christopher Timothy, you know, and the the world needs more Christopher Timothy putting his ar you know his hand up a cow's ass and stuff.
0: So you know, <laughs> Wow. all all things do, yeah. <laughs> uh, next up was 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 Idris Elba in Silent Witness, Law and Order UK. Or Waking the Dead. Oh, I was
2: hoping you was gonna say Luther. I was, thinking, oh, I,
1: I was hoping for family I was <laughs> hoping for Channel Five Soap Family Affairs, because I know he was in that. Um, yes, he was in that. Yeah,
0: Ooh, okay. What were the choices against Steve? Oh. Sorry. They were Silent Witness, yeah. Law and Order UK, or What did I say? Walk it walking the <laughs> dead? <laughs> waking the yeah. dead? Waking, waking the, the waking the
1: waking the dead. That was the one. I, the wanking dead. the dead. I, there was a black. There was, this is going to say terrible. There was a black fella in w- walking the walking not walking the dead, walking, waking <laughs> the dead. But I don't know if it was him. Uh, Silent witness. That's my guess. Uh, I think
0: Law and Order UK. Uh, Tony's gone two 0 up. It was oh, Silent oh. Witness. Shit. No way. Okay. He he had he had a. Um, he had quite a um, go of these, these kind of shows. He was in two point four children as parachute instructor. Oh. <laughs> uh, he was in he was he was in I love that. Ab- he was in absolutely fa- he was in absolutely fabulous as as Hilton. Of course. In an episode titled Sex.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: he was in family affairs, like you said, playing Tim Webster in seven episodes. I remember that weirdly. Uh, he in, yeah, uh, he was he was in um, Dangerfield as well. Dangerfield. Oh, that oh,
1: tell they don't make telly like they used to do, they. Oh.
0: He was he was a, he was apparently <laughs> and this was this this was after he'd been in The Wire as well. But he was in the US office for seven episodes and I can't remember that.
1: I thought you were going to tell me that he'd been in Dangerfield after The
0: Wire. <laughs> no. no. Stronger Bell comes back to <laughs> Dangerfield. Okay, so it's 2-0 with with three rounds left. Uh, and next up is Superman himself, Henry Cavill. And was he in Doc Martin, A Touch of Frost, or the Inspector Lindley Mysteries? Ooh.
2: You know, I would say the latter, the Inspector, whatever it is, doesn't sound like something that you would have just known to include off the top of your head. It seems like something that's been
1: seen on an IMDb profile. So, whatever that was called, that one. The Inspector Lindley mystery. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> while I suspect Owen may know Steve well enough for this, <laughs> I think I'm going to go with a touch of a touch of frost, just because everyone's
0: been in a touch of frost. Uh, no, it was the Inspector Lindley Mysteries. Ah. <laughs> he was also in an episode of Midsummer Murders as well. Uh. Um, but that's a, that's irrelevant to this quiz. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the next, the next one we have. <laughs> with it being two, one to Tony is Kira Knightley. And was she in London's Burning? Casualty or the Bill? Oh
1: God, that. Oh, for some reason, immediately I thought Casualty before you said it. So I'm going to go with Casualty. I'm going with my gut here. Oh man,
2: I. Th- my first thought was when you said the bill was that she would be too young for it, but she could have been because she was a child actor, wasn't she? So she could have been in it,
1: oh. and she could have been. Yeah, she could the have the been bill. in London's Burning as well, to be fair, because that was what nine early
0: nineties. Yeah, hmm. I'm going.
1: I'm going to stick at the bill.
0: Well, in 1995, she played Sheena Rose in the Bill. Ah, oh. yes. Well done. Too old. Well done. In the epi- in the episode titled Swan Song.
2: Oh, this is a comeback classic. on the scale yeah. of Sampdoria against Sassuolo that happened at the weekend. <laughs> Hipster
0: football knowledge. 101. The first one, <laughs> the last one, sorry. We're going to start off with the the same answer we had for the first one. Orlando Bloom, was he in Doctors, Holby City or Casualty? Oh.
1: <laughs>
0: I noticed they aren't all answer a this week <laughs> no i learned from last week none of, none of you cottoned on to that last week though that was the no. that was the strange thing yeah
2: if people hadn't listened to that they, they need to go back and just see what buffoons we
1: we were in that quiz <laughs> but we should have tested the system this week and seen if it worked but we we didn't never mind no. I, I i'm gonna stick with casualty again i'm determined to get casualty at some point I'm
0: staying with Casualty.
2: Oh, um, in which case I, I will go doctors this time. No, Tony wins.
0: a yeah! <gasps> <Wizard laughs> quiz. He was in three episodes of Casualty playing Noel Harrison. Oh, oh. Noel. He Harrison, was also in Midsummer Murders. Character. Yeah. But, no. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it is quite interesting of a of a sort to look back through these things and find out how many massive actors appeared in these not crap shows, but you know these. Kind Low red shows. Primetime British for TV dramas. Hmm.
1: I'm just really happy that you've reminded me of Dangerfield. I I, I really am, genuinely. <laughs> I'm genuinely gonna go and find that on YouTube. Can,
0: can you tell me and the listeners about Dangerfield?
1: Dangerfield was about a man who drives a Volvo, I think it was a Volvo, at high speed down a country lane, and I think he was a like a hardcore Maverick. Is that the show? <laughs> It's like
2: Top
0: Gear <laughs> if Alan Partridge made well, yet, it. Sw-
1: sounds like Dog in <laughs> Diaries. Time, it just sounds like what was Alan Partridge's idea for a, for a cop show? Swallow, based in Norwich. Yes. It's basically, it's basically that. <laughs> yeah, that's Dangerfield.
0: Okay. Um, so, yes, Tony wins the quiz, puts me 2 0 up. And onto the news. The biggest or major bit of news that we've got is that the Mortal Kombat remake has got a new director.
2: Yeah, someone called Simon McCoyd. McCoyd McKeed? McCoyd? Mcquad? McQuad? Um Never heard of him. Yeah. Well, that's not surprising, because he doesn't really have a film career uh, to speak of, really. I thought you were going to say, he doesn't exist. <laughs> I made it up. I put it in the, the agenda to test you, and you failed. I'm just desperate for news again, but so you're making it up now. Yeah. Uh, Basically, the... Fact that the video game adaptations are still a thing, and it seems a bit early to be trying this before Assassin's Creed comes out because I think that now is going to be the litmus test for these movies. I think Mm -hmm. that how that does in the box office is essentially going to determine how much money goes into them in future. And I mean, that probably sounds really obvious to a lot of people. But I think that is going to be like the turning point, Assassin's Creed, because it's got big A-lister. You know, Michael Fassbender's helming that movie. He's at the front of that movie. Uh, It's got a lot of money put into it. It's a big film franchise, big uh, game franchise, I should say, not film franchise yet um, with Assassin's Creed. You know, it's bigger than the other large budget video game adaptations we've had in the past, like in the recent past anyway. You know, I guess Prince of Persia is the only one that's comparable, but even that wasn't really on Assassin's Creed levels. Um, So I think it really is going to be the the test for that, and it just just seemed a bit surprising
1: to me to know there's a Mortal Kombat remake in the works. I I just think that, like, I understand the point, you know, Mm. and Mortal Kombat, I think is still popular. I don't know enough about computer games to know, actually, anymore, but... Um, well, that's just... surprising because you were on the video game podcast quite recently, Tony? I, I, I was. I was. A wonder, <laughs> wonderful segue, Owen. <laughs> Very nicely done. Um, yeah, and we established when I was on that that I know fuck all about games these days. <laughs> um, but it's... Yeah, I just... I don't know if it's going to get many people excited bar the hardcore... Not even necessarily the hardcore new gamers, just like hardcore sort of you know thirty year old guys who grew up playing Mortal Kombat. I didn't grow up playing mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat. To be fair, I grew up playing Street Fighter more than that. So if you if you, oh, were you were one of those sh- people, yeah, mm, okay. I was one of their, the streets are red you know, for me. Oh, <laughs> classic. But so it's hard to know. I mean, maybe I'm just talking at my ass, and there is a real big exciting fan base. I just think that they are of their time sometimes, these computer mm-hmm. games. And I don't know if you need, you know, something like Assassin's Creed is different because that is of the these days, you know, it's of the last 10 mm-hmm. years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's that's an, a logical movie extension in many ways. But Mortal Kombat? I mean, we've got one really fun, cheesy, terrible movie and then a few crap sequels. Do we need more? I don't yeah. think we do.
2: I, I would stand up for the original, the Paul W.S. Anderson film. I think it's... A, like you say, a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: and it's a good never, laugh.
2: They'll never beat the same track. Mortal Kombat! Nah. <laughs> Mortal Kombat! Yeah. yeah, that one. yeah and yeah. That, that. But then, like, it is a fan-favourite franchise. and So you, you're right in the sense that, you know, I can also see why it's being turned into a film. It just doesn't really seem to be any audience for it i mean even the street mm. fighter movies that get made now are all little indie productions yeah you know they don't get big money put into them i think they realized from the film with van damme and kylie minogue in you know, it there's just no appetite for a movie
1: like that but these is not... films have, have yeah. become they've gone into that sort of really cult film bracket you know the original mortal kombat film Everyone remembers, you know, Christopher Lambert's hilariously terrible, you know, performances raided, but it's great fun. You know, things like Street Fighter, for all its flaws, it has Raul Julia in his last role, yes. absolutely mm. chewing the scenery amazingly. So it's he just, it's it. got loads, yeah, it's just got loads of fun things, both of those, and they're so 90s, they're so mm. wonderfully 90s. So, you know, you can look back on those, but to be fair, if you put that those films in front of a 13, 14 year old kid, I don't know if they'd really give a shit. Really, no, I mean, mm, and, and that, mm. that's that's the that's the thing. Unless they can do Mortal Kombat in a way that, and inevitably, it'll be dark and gritty, probably because that's the only way you're going to attract the attention of the modern teenage audience, which they're really going to go for. Unless you're going for the fans of the original games, but we're all like middle aged, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's different. And we may go, well, we've got the '90s movie. What do we need this for? I don't know. Yeah, there's only so much that nostalgia is going to be able to sell this this movie on, really um mm.
2: Mm. but what I wanted to talk about as well that ties into this mortal Kombat remake is something I, I happen to have seen on den of Geek um which was a completely you know unfounded rumor I think because a showrunner on The Walking Dead you know those people who know everything about the movie and the TV shows they work on the showrunners <laughs> said that uh they think a movie adaptation of The Walking Dead is inevitable. And it kind of got me thinking about, well, is that is that the, like, ultimate goal for these people who make um, stuff now? I mean, is, the, is the, the point to get a movie at the end of it? So, you know, if you write, you get the thing now where you get comics that are written with the idea that they're going to be picked up for a movie or for a TV at some point. That's the whole reason they just, you know, Mark Miller churns out stuff that he knows is going to get picked up. And it's just... Is is that the the point now? Is that what people create things for? Is to get a movie? Is that the holy grail? Is that the the what people want for their um, creative output? You know, is to to someone to sort of look at it and go, mm, yeah, we'll make a movie out of that. We'll make a lot of money because you get things like Walking Dead. You get even like. Um, uh, the The other thing I was going to talk about was was toys that obviously get turned into films, which is what Transformers was originally, and, T- and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, that was in order to sell action figures and things. Um, and Transformers Five trailer is going to land. Do we? Drop. Do they land or drop? They Did you? Drop. We, you established that whilst I was away, didn't you? They, yeah. <laughs>
0: they, yeah, they drop.
2: Tra- so the transform drop. the Transformers Five trailer is going to drop as this year's um. Uh, you know, the big trailer that gets shown before the the year's big Christmas movie. In this case, it's going to be before Star Wars Rogue One. Uh, Transformers 5 will be that trailer this year. That's not going to... People aren't going to be bothered about that, are they? The fifth film in a fucking Transformers series. Oh. <sighs> but, I mean, like it, 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 it's not a new thing, I don't think. I don't think, anyway, for the ultimate achievement for your thing is for it to become a film.
0: I feel like The Walking Dead. It doesn't make sense to me. The unless unless you're going to end the whole show with a a movie, it doesn't make sense. You can't go yeah. back, recast everyone now, seven seasons in, and and do a movie. The source material is set over too long a period of time to really do a movie on any of it. I think I don't just don't think it would work unless you're going to end the whole show with a movie. But the thing with The Walking Dead is that... Do you still read the comics, Owen? Or did you read the comics? or?
2: No, yeah, I read up to the end of the World War stuff and I was like, I just can't can't be bothered with this now.
0: Yeah, so they are very close, the TV show, to, to catching up with where the comics are. The comics are only release one one a month. Mm-hmm. It's obviously 12, 12 over the course of a year. Um, and... So this, this season, you would imagine, would culminate... Um, I've read the comics, so I won't spoil anything. Um, I'll talk more about The Walking Dead later. But this season, I imagine, would culminate in the resolution of the Negan storyline. And then in the comics, there is another storyline beyond that at the moment, mm-hmm. which, which you would imagine, as The Walking Dead will have a season 8, will be dealt with in season 8... And then at that point, they're going to be at the same place as the comics are. In terms of storyline, they're not going to be much behind it. So it could be a case where you kind of like Game of Thrones, yeah, it just where, diverges. Where, well, yeah, you 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 know what the person who and the, and with Walking Dead, the person who writes the source material of comics is probably more involved with the show than what Martin is with game of thrones show but he's obviously given directions of what he's planning on doing in the books that are yet to be released so the walking dead can do that as well but they're going to be at the stage where they've got freedom to go whichever way they want if they want so they don't have Mm -hmm. to run parallel with the comics in perhaps a year or two's time yeah yeah okay i see what you mean but they so they might just conclude it with a movie I think that's but, the only way they could do a movie now is to end it with a movie. I don't think but, it would work at all. I think it would be an but, but, awful idea for something that's been running so long, but that would be the only way really they could do a movie would be but, to just conclude the whole thing with it.
2: They did that with Prison Break, didn't they? I mean, they basically ended by them saying, okay, instead of, you know, six seasons and a movie is the uh, the meme but, from Community, but they they had the seasons and that show was... On its last legs by the end of season two but they still managed to get another
1: couple more seasons out of it and then do a tv movie but, that, um, but that, that but that there you go that's that's the difference tv movie
0: a tv movie of an existing show it's just an extended episode yeah and it, and it was really like it's not like a it's not like a tv movie that's like some rubbish for the hallmark channel or something like that yeah a tv movie of a tv show is just an extended episode but they and they
1: the thing is that they say this at the end of all these phenomena when all these shows become phenomenons, they say it every time you know they they said a couple of years ago when they when they premiered I think it was the season five premiere of Game of Thrones on a big screen, they said, "Oh, we might make a movie of this, and then everyone turns around and says, "Well, you can't end the show." as a movie because you're then making people pay extra money to see the conclusion of something we've followed for seven or eight years on TV you can't do that they said the same about lost or oh, maybe lost will be a movie at the end it didn't happen the only show that was a phenomenon of its time that actually did it was the x-files but the difference was the x-files did it in the middle of the yeah. show so they they did it they did it as a bridge between seasons 5 and 6 and it was because it was the height of its popularity and then when when eventually they they planned they ended it and they thought right well we'll do a movie franchise nobody wanted to know and the the, the you know the time had passed they spent they waited five years to do a movie that wasn't very good and then it just died off so I think realistically well I like, it's I, like hot the, air. I like
0: the new episodes they bought I like the new episodes of the X Ex- Files that they brought back recently this year
1: but the, originally they the the idea for years was to do a third movie and to have it be very very not the same as the TV show episodes that have come back but. They never planned to do any more episodes. It was always supposed to be a movie franchise, and they would do mm-hmm. maybe one, you know, one monster story and then an alien story. It was supposed to go like that, but it didn't happen. And the thing is, it's because you've got a capital on the eyes on these things at the time. And I think The Walking Dead. I think it, I don't. I've never ever known a continuing story like that to end with a film. I just don't know how they how they do it really without it a, the- like a theatrical a film. Yeah, Certainly. yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, thea- yeah a movie. Yeah. yeah, a theatrical film. Yeah. I mean, you get things
2: like um, Entourage and uh, Inbetweeners um, that have these movie adaptations that do get... And The Simpsons as well, of course. You know, they get things released theatrically after having a TV show. Um, But in those cases, I'm not sure that they were set up originally to eventually have a a movie made of it. Do you know what I mean? I think the difference here with, with this is... like. I'm not sure if movies in that way are the end goal. But I do think that, you know, if you were to look at it, if you were to stack these up in a sort of hierarchical structure, uh, film is still very much at the top of that sort of media. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you've got, like, TV is very highly rated, and you've got, you know, comic books below that somewhere, books are in the same place, and then at the top of this this tree, at the top of this sort of pyramid right there is movies and films i still think they're held in the highest regard even even though tv now is picking up and you get proper movie stars doing tv series you know hbo have probably got a lot to to uh, we've got a lot to thank for that but there still is this
1: this thing where there's tv actors and then there's film actors i think that is where the problem is What what would for a good example is what would doing a big scale movie finish for Game of Thrones truly as an example truly add to that really you've 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 had you know seventy odd episodes of you know on the whole movie quality TV you know probably the closest you could possibly get to TV quality but that's just it though isn't it
2: you've you've literally just like made that point by saying that it's the closest that you can get to film quality it's absolutely not there
1: i oh, know but i agree i agree with you that the movie the movie is a separate entity and it is you know the highest standard still but i don't see what you would really gain from having the conclusion of game of thrones on a big screen except yeah okay you get to do a bit more filming locations you get to do some bigger dragons you get a few more action sequences there wouldn't be that much difference you might then throw in a, a big star to be to be a character but it just would feel like it would feel like a big cynical cheat, you know, when that that is a story that deserves to be told and completed on TV. So I just think if you're gonna do it, do it as a sequel, that that or or like like with Entourage, do it as something that's, you know, not necessarily in the in the plan, and then you come back to it later and do it as a movie. Don't do it as your, your big finish because I just think that's that's a, that's a, just a cheat after years of investment. <laughs>
0: So now for what you've been watching. We have a look at some of the stuff we've seen in the last seven days or so. We'll end off with Tony reviewing Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, as that's the big release of the week. Um, so, Owen, won't you start us off?
2: Okay, I did not want to see Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I've, been, I've seen a couple of Harry Potter films didn't enjoy them in the the least and so when fantastic beast was announced i was like fuck that we'll do a triple bill this week instead so we don't have to review it um but i did see another film that was in the cinema um which has been kind of in and out of cinemas all around the country recently uh which is a film called i daniel blake which is by ken loach the um kitchen sink drama British film maker uh, and Labour voter would you believe if anyone who's seen I, Daniel Blake they, I'm sure they will be shocked to know that he's a staunch supporter of the Labour Party <laughs> um, so a strange thing happened on the way home from the cinema after I saw I, Daniel Blake on Thursday last week I sent a tweet from my phone before I was barely even out of the door at Cinderworld, and I said, just out of the I, Daniel Blake screening, a guy stood up and shouted rather angrily, come on then, who's voting Tory after that? Brilliant. <laughs> Love that. It, I, I thought it was fantastic. I was sitting there in the cinema, and the guy just sort of turned around to everyone. He was cl- quite close to the front. I said, come on then, he's voting Tory after oh, that? It was brilliant. And someone, like... Was it like, come on then, like, he wanted to fight? I think it was in that tone but not serious. It's like yeah.
1: But But would I mean, the this, thing uh, is just just to ask though, would any Tories yeah. really have have gone in the first place, do you think, to see that film?
2: Well I yeah, what I was gonna say on that was um that tweet has since been retweeted fifty times and counting. Still keep getting notifications <laughs> for it every hour or so. And it's been liked 82 times, including by the director, Ken Loach's um, Twitter account. Don't know whether it's actually him who reads it or just someone else. Um, as well as a few Labour MPs and councillors. They've been sort of favouriting it and retweeting it. And so you keep-
1: be <laughs> yeah, It'll be Corbyn next.
2: It'll be Corbyn next. Yeah, I'll get a call from him. <laughs> um saying, how do we stop Theresa May? And I'll just say, just fucking kick her in the... No. Maybe, maybe uh,
1: well, it's I'll you, say- Maybe you, Owen, are the saviour. Maybe it's you who are going to be the next Labour. Maybe this is all building to you, <laughs> Owen. I mean, it could be you. It's going to... Oh, yeah.
2: That's not likely. <laughs> you have to vote Labour frequently for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, mixed. But th- th- uh, mixed with Lib Dems, not Tories. Right. Right, yeah. But this film, by the... I think it's or something worse. The very... <laughs> The very nature of this film's existence, it is a political stance, right? It's making a point. And it's a film that will be seen by Labour voters who will pat themselves on the back for hating Tory cunts, you know. And it will not be seen by those Tory cunts, in you know quotation marks, because it's Ken Loach and a socialist's wet dream of a film. They wouldn't be seen dead anywhere near it because it's propaganda. Um, It's very moving touching and authentic feeling uh drama about a man who's got some struggles but it, it by the same t- token it's it that's going to be completely irrelevant to some people they're not gonna care one jot because it's ken loach and it's labor and so it kind of feels a little bit like who's who's this really whose mind is this going to change it, I, it, I mean i may be wrong some people might see it on a film list at the end of the year and say oh, oh daniel blake that's got hey, 8.1 out of 10 on imdb i mean uh, maybe i'll give that a, a, a look and go blimey yeah maybe I, I do need to rethink my values and what i think about the the struggle that some people have to go through to get a disability living allowance and You know, the government health assessment checks that declare people fit to work when their doctors are saying, you absolutely cannot work or you will suffer another massive heart attack and die. Um, And so... And all the stuff in it about food banks, about rehoming families and the separation of them. There's a character in it who is taken from where she spent her entire life in London, where her mother and her grandmother are, and she's moved to Newcastle because that's the nearest accommodation they can put her and her two kids in um you know i don't know is this real it feels real i don't i haven't got any evidence to suggest that it's an exaggeration of truth um because you know london to newcastle seems ridiculous but at the same time it seems like it's so ridiculous it probably has happened to somebody you know i know people who um were trying to get homes in oxford where i live and were moved you know miles and miles and miles away you know manchester and salford and places like that so it, it probably isn't that much of a stretch of reality um but yeah i mean it it's it about the struggle it is about this family but there is a person at the heart of it it's not just like a, a conduit for a person's political beliefs there's a there's a there's a story about a real person uh, and real people and the things that they have to go to in the struggle and it feels in a way it, it feels less British despite its politics and feels more like one of these euro dramas that you get you know um, that come out of like Belgium and, and France and places like that um that's not to be disparaging of it I think you know it just it just feels that way rather than um, than a distinctly British film despite it being set in newcastle and geordies and all that um but i mean so yeah so it is a good film it is a good drama you should see it if you're erring on the side of is this really gonna be worth seeing is this gonna be as powerful as people keep saying is this gonna make me rethink anything that i already know yes absolutely it will you should absolutely see it and if you're not angry at the end of it then you need to watch the film again and pay attention this time basically um but what i did think was why does why does this not happen more often and by this i mean why does Cineworld world specifically not show these sort of films on a one-off basis more often i i get that they need they like my little Cineworld, world right it's got five screens five screens that's all that's there and this week there are three films showing. There's Arrival, which is shown three times a day. There's something else. I can't even remember. Oh, Doctor Strange, which is on like four times a day. So you can imagine they're taking up two screens between them. Fantastic Beast, of Where to Find Them is on three of those five screens. I don't understand why... Because this I Daniel Blake screening was a one-off. It was a Thursday evening. It was brought in specifically just to show... Um, Why can't they do that with other films? I miss out on stuff all the time. I haven't been able to see Nocturnal Animals. um, The Light Between Oceans, which I really wanted to see. Hell or High Water. Even stuff like Sing Street, you know, don't get shown here. How difficult is it for them to just go, Okay, look, we don't... On this Thursday, we don't need to show Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, like, 10 times, 12 times, 15 times. We'll show it... 14 times and put one screening of the latest independent movie. Why? I mean, I would go and see that and I'm not going to see Fantastic Beasts and
1: I have an unlimited card. My guess with this is that um, because the, I, I, Daniel Blake, <coughs> excuse me, has courted some like political controversy, I think the the one of the reasons that they would do that for that film is because they know that they're going to get bums on seats, potentially, because people are, you know, it's going to rally all the Liberal Labour types. Mm. We're going to go, oh, I'm going to go and see this. This is my my way of protesting to everything. And they think they're going to make money, whereas I don't think they think they're going to make money on Nocturnal Animals and, you know, all these films that are worth seeing, but I think it all just comes down to numbers. They know they can pack more kids in for Fantastic Mm. Beasts and kids are where the money are more than anything else. I think that's what it is.
2: I mean, I understand they've got to make a profit because it's a business, but, I mean, it's a... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but isn't Cineworld a PLC? So it doesn't have, you know, shareholders who it has to constantly produce reports for to say, we are making money hand over fist. And it's like, I went to this R. Daniel Blake screening and it was packed anyway. It was full of people. Um, And I think that would be... The, I've been to see films there... They've done it before for uh the raid surprisingly. The raid got a one-off screening. Um Hardcore Henry got a one-off screening. Now I Daniel Blake has, but I I think I Daniel Blake is slightly different anyway because it's they're doing things specifically like a pay what you can to go and see I Daniel Blake for people. They're mm. putting screenings up, which I think is a really nice touch, mm. you know. They're saying you we you know, we know who this film is for and we know that you want to see it. Pay whatever you like, which is which is brilliant. But I mean, like as a, as a cinema chain, I don't know why Cineworld can't do stuff like that. Why could they not show nocturnal animals this week? Like they could die Daniel Black last week, and then like the week before show uh, Light Between Oceans and so on. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, they would, I th- definitely I th- draw in punters.
1: I don't think they think they would though, and that that that's the thing. I think unless it's a film like you know you talked about Hardcore Henry and the Raids, they are action films that are going to attract mm. a certain you know, level of interest. You know, I don't think they think Nocturnal yeah. Animals or the Light Between Oceans is going to get anyone except a few hardcore film fans. You know, I, I agree with you. I think they would attract a lot of people. Yeah. Because there'll be people just like you who are annoyed that they can't get to the cinema to see these things. But I don't think that whoever's doing their market research is probably telling them, no, that's you will lose money. Stick another Fantastic mm-hmm. Beasts on. That, that's where I think they're coming from. So, but I could be wrong, but I, I would imagine it's that.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe then what they should do is when they do their unlimited previews, which are specifically only for people with unlimited cards, don't show a film that's out in two days' time. Put on something that's probably not going to make it to every cinema chain. Do you know? I mean, Mm. they do... I don't know if you're familiar with how they work, but Steve will be very soon. Or have you already got your unlimited card, Steve? I've got it, yeah. You've got it. Okay. So have you been to any unlimited screenings yeah? As in, like, when um, they put on these previews?
0: No, I haven't. No, I've only had it uh, about four weeks, and I've not noticed them do okay. any of these kind of special screenings yet. Okay, and, I think um, Allied uh, is on
2: tomorrow. That might be their next one. But then that comes out on Friday. Right. So, I mean, what's the yeah. point in that? Why don't they... I mean, mm. it might even come out on Thursday this week. Why? It, it just It just frustrates me. I don't think they've got to pander like other cinema chains. You know, it's not Odeon. It's not, you know, Showcase. They haven't got to constantly have this pleasing of shareholders. They can do different things and they choose not to. Or they choose to put it all on a picture house of which they own, but like a very rare around the country. Well, anyway, that's my little mini rant. Daniel Blake essentially is good. Go and see it if you can.
0: (laughs) Unless you're a Tory. No, especially
2: <laughs> if you're a Tory. Especially, you should go and see it and realise what a bellend you're being. Right. That is the opinion of the Fail Critics podcast. There go. <laughs> Tory bellend? No, it's not. It's my personal opinion.
0: You can be a Tory if you like. Just you know, don't be a bellend about it. <laughs> uh, so, rather than the film, I'm going to go back to the TV and a TV show we spoke about earlier. That is The Walking Dead and Season 7 where we are now six, no, five episodes in although I've not seen the fifth one yet as it's out uh, it's probably on now as we're recording Um, or it was on earlier tonight and I haven't had a chance to see it because I'm doing this Um, Essentially it picks up where Season 6 left off and if anyone hasn't seen the opening episode yet you're probably not a Walking Dead fan so I don't mind spoiling it for you, but essentially at the end of season six, Negan, who is the new bad guy, the new enemy in The Walking Dead, had cornered Rick's lot, who actually had been a bit out of order, to be fair. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, they, they, they discovered that the, this lot uh, Negan runs, called The Saviors, um, have got a deal with an, another community called The Hilltop, where they take half of everything uh, in return for killing all the zombies and keeping them away from the hilltop, but they're a bit ruthless about it. to to make this point. Negan killed a sixteen year old boy in front of his community. So Rick says to the hilltop lot, "Right, we'll get rid of the saviors for you." And he finds this outpost of theirs and goes in and kills everyone while they're asleep, which is which is quite out of order because he he's never even met these people yet. He's met, you know, he's he's heard a few bad things. They're not a nice lot, but it's. So, he's, he's aggravated them. Negan, <laughs> who's in charge of them, has, 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 has ki- like, captured most of Rick's most important people and Rick himself. And he's got a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire that he calls Lucille. And he's he's bashed a skull in one of them. That's the end of season six. You find out who it is in, in the start of season seven. But I won't say who, hmm. but but it's, I mean, again, we're, we're, five, we're five episodes in and there's already been a at least one filler episode which is annoying because it just doesn't go anywhere and nothing happens but but Negan as in the comics as he is in the TV show is just brilliant because he's over the top mm. he's ridiculous he he's very he's kind of got a charm about him even though he's a bad guy he's got a very interesting way with words is it jeffrey dean morgan who's playing him is just brilliant he's just hamming it up and throwing himself into it and just thinking, I'm playing a bad guy who bashes people's head in in a world where zombies are running over the world. Mm. I'm am just running with this and having fun with it. Whereas the governor was played by David Morrissey was more serious and more um, less cartoonish. Negan is very cartoonish. He he's very it's very funny. Some of the lines he comes out with are funny, even though he's saying them in quite a menacing way um he he rules in a you know a, a very strange way, but you know it 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 just works and then then obviously in in season six we have a tiger so season <laughs> seven we have a we have a tiger mm, that's the down point when I
2: sort of started to think the comics were going shite
0: um i i just <laughs> we've got a tiger who's owned by a man who who speaks like a medieval king
1: mhm
0: it's uh, so what, just go with it. <laughs> I mean, I watch I watch Z Nation and it ain't as dumb as that yet. <laughs> as much so, as much as I like Z Nation, it's not as stupid as that yet. So, I don't
2: know that zombie baby in the supermarket
0: was pretty stupid. <laughs> just keep keep watching Z Nation, yeah. Owen. Yeah. Trust me, trust me. You'll fall in love with it. But how is I mean, this
2: this season of Walking Dead been? So far, because you it's about halfway through, right? It must be due for the mid-season not, not break. not quite halfway
0: through, so I think it's 16-episode season, so eight will be halfway. So we're another three, five, six, seven, eight... No, three or four left before the mid-season break. Uh, I imagine that'll be around Christmas, just before Christmas will break for the, yeah. them to come back, and whenever well, be- they come back. Because
2: you mentioned that there's already one filler it episode. Might just, it
0: might just be me, but it feels like a bit of a filler episode where not a lot happens. You could tack you could tack some of it onto the end or the big you know part of another episode and do more with, with the one that there is. But Yeah. No, it's it's good. I'm enjoying it. Um last season was good as well. I mean nothing'll be, be worse than when they're stuck on the farm looking for Sophia who's already dead. <laughs> that that was just the pinnacle of shit.
2: Yeah,
0: well, I, I, but the, people said that about the comics as well. But I
2: think that the, the thing about The Walking Dead with with those filler episodes, I I didn't mind them so much in that. I thought it was they create a a world that's interesting to see more of, and it's interesting to see how the characters behave in it. Um, yeah. So I I didn't didn't mind that as much as I did with Fear the Walking Dead when that had filler episodes.
0: What what we've not had this season yet, and I'm waiting for it, is character to suddenly become interesting and have more than one line of dialogue in an episode and then die in the same episode. <laughs> I'm waiting for it, but it's not happened yet. Yeah, that is a Walking Dead special.
2: It's the red shirts of the Walking Dead, isn't
0: it? Well, it's just it's just they'll have a character and they've been with the group for a while, but they they're the kind of you know, they don't seem say much, you don't know, hear much of them. Yeah. Um. And then all of a sudden they'll have an episode where they, they start talking more. They're like in the main group. They're doing stuff, and then they'll die. Yeah. And it and you can spot it coming because you can see. Oh, as soon as they start having like a proper conversation well that's not happened before. They've never been this chatty before. Ah, they're they're dead.
2: Yep. That's how it works.
0: Yeah. Uh, but no, I'm enjoying this season. It's it's been it's been good so far, and. As long as Negan is kept in it, it will remain fun, which is primarily what a, something about zombie should be.
2: Yeah, yeah, it should. Be, it should have an interesting commentary to it, but one that's not sort sort of overpowering. Should, I don't know if it should, should
0: have. I don't know. After watching Z Nation, I don't know if it should have a comic. <laughs> yeah, maybe, should just, maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the exception that proves the rule. I don't know. But that's The Walking Dead, long may, long may it continue in, in comic and television form. Tony, you're going to review Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them now for us.
1: Yes, which is obviously the, uh, the Harry Potter in the Extended
0: Cinematic Universe, um, otherwise known as <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is part of the harry potter universal world but the actual source material isn't any i mean the script i'm not sure isn't maybe partly written or influenced or whatever by jk Rowling, but it's not a book itself it, it was a, it was a book within a book it was it was a book that was you know existed in the harry potter world and Newt Scaramanga who Eddie Redmayne plays was just was somebody in that Scaramanga <laughs> Newt, is that Scara- name, is it?
1: Newt Scaramanga the man with the golden gun yeah, yeah brilliant yeah um, he should be Something called like Newt that, Scaramanga yeah basically he's it, got three yeah, th- nipples so that's <laughs> the only <other> link <laughs> Fan- uh, fantastic beasts and where to find them is is a book which they study at Hogwarts Harry Potter and all those guys um, by Newt Scamander which is his name um, which is who Eddie Redmayne plays um <laughs> I think that's and, what I said. Yeah, it's close. <laughs> you knew there, um, yeah. but yeah, it hasn't actually. I I didn't know actually until my girlfriend told me that it has. It's not actually a book that J.K. Rowling has written. Although it's, it's surely only a matter of time because that is a cash cow waiting <laughs> to happen. The actual book. Um, so well, yeah, the there's going
0: to be there's going to be five films, isn't there now? Uh, probably,
1: more than likely, wouldn't
0: surprise me. No, no, me. It, no, no. There is going to be five films in okay. this Fantastic Beasts series.
1: Lovely, great stuff um so you've got (laughs) you've got yeah that that's the setup really that fantastic beast was in the harry potter films but it was it was a reference book so this the idea of this is that it's basically the real life adventures of newt i'm gonna say scaramanga every time (laughs) newt scaramanga um it's gonna be his it's his real life adventures okay so basically set in 1920s new york Which is a allows them to explore the American side of the Harry Potter universe. So instead of Muggles, which is what the humans were called in Harry Potter, they're called Nomags here in America, and they've got like an American. Can you say that? Can you
0: can you can you say say that in a New York or New Jersey accent, (laughs) like Tony Soprano's? Uh, over here they call them Nomags. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um,
1: this the, is gonna
2: this is gonna be a recurring theme. I like, imagine
1: whenever Tony's on, though, do do this <laughs> yeah. accent, Tony. Do this one. I, <laughs> I spent an entire review doing a review on Brooklyn. Like, yeah, yeah.
0: In a, in a Brooklyn accent, I should have said. anyway yeah. Um so new <laughs> scare yeah. guys. Right,
1: he's in uh, fantastic place on where to find him. Um, but yeah, so I'll stop now. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, if, if if you could. Yeah, uh, can yeah. I ask a couple of can I ask a couple of questions before we carry on? Go on then. One, are, are you a Harry Potter fan of either book or film or both?
1: Um, not read all the books, started reading the first book, quite enjoyed it. Films, yeah, not bad. Didn't love them, don't dislike them. They're fu- they're fine.
0: Um, do you have to be a fan of Harry Potter book or film to get this?
1: I don't necessarily think so. I think it helps. You know, it does help because there are certain references to you know, Hogwarts and little in jokes and things like that, that you will be more rewarded by having seen all the Harry Potter films. But you don't have to know that story, no, because it's it's a separate thing. There is one major connective to the Harry Potter mythology, and that's a character who you don't really see in this called Grindelwald. And he's like this evil wizard. He's like Voldemort back in the day. Um, and he's causing lots of problems all over the world, which you see right from the very beginning with the old newspaper, you know, um, scrolling newspapers down the screen and everything like that. Um, so he's loitering in the background of it all, and he's probably going to be your big bad in the end. So um, that's the man And he, in, in, the, in the Potter lore, him and Dumbledore, which is the wizard in Harry Potter, they were enemies back in the day. So um, I've heard that Dumbledore, a young Dumbledore is going to be in the sequel to this anyway, right? So... Yeah, that's that's the setup. You can go into it fairly cold because it's basically the story of Newt who is he's, he's like imagine imagine the Doctor from Doctor Who. But he's not a space alien. He just runs around like looking after weird creatures, basically. And he's and he's a wizard. That's that's basically <laughs> yeah, the doctor meets David Attenborough. That's basically Newt Scaramanga, right? In a nutshell, and he's he, he, Eddie. Red, this is basically Eddie Redmayne's Doctor Who, like audition, because he just spends the whole thing with, with with a nice little soft voice, you know, running around looking after people with his with his wand, you know, going patum, you know, Patronus, patum, and all this stuff. Um, and he, he, you know, he does a lot of that, but uh, he ends up in New York anyway, looking for these fantastic beasts in inverted commas gets embroiled with um, Catherine Waterston, who's a witch, and she's um, on the hunt of something, you know, quite dark and evil. And then there's, there's this big tubby guy who is trying to open a bakery. He's a no a no right? He's just a human, gets caught up in it all. And then it sort of goes from there, really. Um, and you see the American sort of wizard government side of it. And there are hints to the American wizarding school, which I'm sure you'll see in a future sequel. Anyway, it's setting up that whole world the thing with it is that the Harry I mean the Harry Potter films for me they're too long. They're flabby. There's you know there's a lot of guff in a lot of them, right? Which is why I think you could have done four films at 2 hours a pop, job done, right? But people love them because they're quite faithful adaptations of the books. This doesn't have any adaptation source material. This is just a name and a book in a, in in the a, you know in a book. So this is J.K. Rowling who's writing the script. Starting from scratch, really, and it becomes very quickly very apparent that J.K. Rowling may be a pretty great author, but she's not a great screenwriter. Um, because this the first half of this film dicks around like something rotten. It's basically just Newt running around trying to capture these little creatures, and yeah, they're quite cute and fun, and the CGI is pretty good. But there's only so much running around chasing a little gerbil that can hide like coins in his felt. Right, you can take before you go. Just get the fuck on with the story, will you? And that's that's where I was about halfway through. Um, Potter fans will be loving it because there's all kinds of little Potter things going on and lots of Wizarding stuff. But I'm not a big mega fan of it. You know, I like it, um, but I'm I'm not an obsessive. So I just is like, well, get on with the story because there is actually quite an interesting story in that there's this dark, evil sort of cloud force that's being summoned up by an abused child, basically in this really dysfunctional family of a, uh, a witch, uh, an anti-witch, an anti-wizard uh, protester played by Samantha Morton, who's as great as ever. Um, but she doesn't get a lot to do, but she's really good. Um, and it's sort of caught up in, you know, in all that. And they're the they're, they're, the expression of their anger is coming out in this evil dark cloud thing. And it's, it's good. That's good. That's a good metaphor for, for a lot of stuff. But it takes half the film to get there. And then it really starts to kick off and, Colin Farrell, who plays quite sort of a, a dark sort of wizard protector guy. Um, he is a good guy, sort of. He's involved. And, they, you know, they, they're all becoming a team and everything. It's a bit like the Scooby gang, you know, or like the, the, the Harry Potter clan. Very similar vibes. And it all ends with big citywide crashing, banging, wallop, yeah. But, and it got better, you know, and the second half did get better. I found the last 40 minutes I was engaged, but there was a point towards the middle, I was I could have quite easily had a nap, to be honest I could have just <laughs> had a nice, nice little doze, because I think it's, it, much like Doctor Strange a few weeks ago, it is one of those films that will have a better sequel because it, it, it won't have the burden of having to set up an entire universe, a main character lots of other people it will, it could get straight on with it in the next one, potentially, and I think you'll have a better part too um, but this I don't think really is a particularly brilliant film put together it's long even though it's not as long as the Harry Potter films the script the, the writing isn't particularly brilliant the direction's good yeah nothing amazing but David Yates never bowls me over anyway and it's it's fine but you've got to be a Potter fan really I think to adore it otherwise you're going to go yeah it's okay it's not suicide squad shite but you know that's it hmm I I heard that
2: it was worth seeing for the creatures, but not much else. Yeah, yeah,
1: probably. That, that's that's fair di- enough.
2: Yeah, does that yeah. seem does
1: that seem fair to you then? Yeah, because yeah, because yeah, the red red man he's probably the most annoying I've seen him, and I've watched the Danish Girl, you know, <laughs> and it's yeah uh, yeah he's just a wet lettuce all the way through, and I was just like fuck's sake, you know, just mm. just get a rocket up your ass. Catherine Wardston's quite good. Um, but she's a good actress anyway. Yeah, it's got a decent cast. But it's mm-hmm. just all a bit safe and fine and, yeah, lovely. If you like wizards and all that, great. If if, if you like me and you're a bit indifferent to it all, there's only so much it gives you. But, I have, like I say, I have hope for a better sequel. So we'll see you in a few years.
0: time now for Triple Bill to finish up the podcast where uh, we've gone back to an old favourite idea for Triple Bill where we pick some of the films, uh, the actors um, from a film and pick our three favourite films of theirs. I ended up with Colin Farrell, Owen uh, with Ron Perlman and Tony with Eddie Redmayne. You made it seem
2: very like arbitrary. We, we we It's not just a film though, is it, Steve? We pick them because they're in the big main release, which is... Fantastic piece. Well, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, if if you want if you want to look at it that. Way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I prefer um, to. Sorry. Yeah. If that's all right. <laughs> you do you do you do whatever makes you happy. Okay. Um, I do. Uh, um, We're going to start with Owen, who's going to tell us what his favourite Von Perlman film is, or one of his three favourites.
2: Yeah. Well, the other thing was, I think normally people who who listening to this triple bill, they probably, if they've listened to any of the ones we've done like this before, where we've had. Uh, I think we did it for um, one of the Batman films that was out. Which would that have been? Rise of... No. Dark Knight Rises. Whatever that was called. That's the one. Thank you, Tony. Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I think we did it for Man of Steel. I think we might have done it for one of the Bond films, where we each chose a different actor. And in each of those cases, it we chose the our three favourite films by those actors. This time, I kind of left that bit out. I thought it's a bit... It's a bit too specific, because if you just pick three favourites, you can ignore a whole host of other films that you want to talk about, for a variety of reasons. Um, So with that in mind, uh, I I, I chose to approach this slightly differently, uh, because I have a strange relationship with Ron Perlman. Um... I immediately thought there's no way I'm going to just pick my three favourite Ron Perlman movies because I I, I just think it'd be a bit boring for people listening. Because I guess people would just, you know, three favourite performances, people would just expect Hellboy, Hellboy 2, Sons of Anarchy, done, right? I mean, that's kind of the the most boring answer I could give. So I didn't do that. Uh, I thought about some of the roles that he's less known for. Uh, and discounted a few of those as well. So rather than just talk about favourites, I would rather not just talk about three shit films or three things he's not particularly known for. Um, because I remember watching... Actually, I don't know if any of you guys watch this because you watch a lot of these sort of TV things as well. But um, did any any of you watch Hand of God on Amazon? It was an Amazon original. I remember seeing it. I didn't watch it, no. Okay. Basically, in it, Ron Perlman was a, uh, he was a high-powered judge whose uh, son was in a coma after being shot. And then Ron Perlman starts to believe God is now telling him to go after bad guys. Turns him into a bit of a vigilante character. And the first episode of that was really good, mostly because of Ron Perlman. He was great as this kind of slightly deranged, messed up, bullying judge um, but I've never known a show to have the bottom fall out of it so quickly as what happened in the second episode of of that show it was just one of the worst hours that you could hope to spend which is so weird because the first it's just a massive nosedive the first episode of that was was really interesting it had an interesting concept the performances were good it just just went so downhill um But yeah, I'm not going to talk about that either. I think the other thing that people know Ron Perlman for is his voiceover work. He's done stuff like SpongeBob SquarePants. He was in Archer. Uh, He's been in lots of movies. Tangled, I think, is the biggest one he's given his name to, the Disney film. Uh, He's done lots of characters in Batman cartoons of different sorts and different movies. uh, But I haven't picked any of those either. So I have gone for a mix of films for a variety of reasons. Uh, Which will become apparent as I explain why I've chosen each one. So to start with, I have gone very basic and I've literally, just to get the ball rolling, picked my favourite film that features Von Perlman, which is Drive. uh, Where he plays the the Jew who owns a pizzeria, as the sort of famous scene in that goes. But he's essentially a mobster, uh, an intimidating mobster. I saw an interview with him as well around the time I think where he talked about working with the director on that film, Nicholas Winding Refn, who he said was basically just a really uh, unusual director to work for. Because I remember he talked about how um, how the film how Drive had these like legitimate Hollywood film stars in it, Ryan Gosling as the lead and Carey Mulligan opposite him and stuff, and they how they'd spend all their time learning their lines and practising all the stuff that actors are supposed to do, I guess. And then Nicholas Winding Refn would essentially, when they were on set, just take the script out of Ron Perlman's hands and just chuck it across the room and say, why don't we try this instead? And so, I mean, it seems like absolutely balmy because all of the effort and precision <laughs> that goes into constructing a script like that and when you watch Drive, it is so, like... um. You think it would still be based on the writing as much as it is the direction, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's crazy. And so Ron Perlman admitted that he was he was kind of taken aback at first because it's just like not the done thing in Hollywood, um, and I think he even talked about how Hollywood had become too safe. Um, and so he seemed to revel in working for a Nicholas Winding reference. and I think it kind of shows a little bit in. In his performance in drive um as everyone's performance does really, it's just a really good performance. It's possibly even his best um acting performance in inverted commas um that that I've seen of his uh because he's not just relying on his like famed and familiar characteristics you know which he pretty much pretty much just means he's a big badass is what he usually gets cast as and He has to be more subtle and he has to change his mannerisms at the drop of a hat. He has to go from calm to furious in like a believable way. And I think he does that and uh, he does it very well. Plus, I also think that Drive's just a great film anyway. So it's coupled with his performance and with the film being really good um, that Drive is my first choice. And I'll reveal what my second one is and why
0: when it's my next go. Okay, uh Tony what's your first pick for Eddie?
1: Uh well I thought I'd go with like one yeah Well, I thought I'd go with one good film, one eh film and one awful film. So I'll start with eh uh, <laughs> which I think he's probably the you know the most yeah. And I'm going to go with um, Les Misérables, which I know I know you're a fan of, Steve. He's all right in this Redmain like, you know, um I, I, I to be honest, I, when I looked at his IMDb he hasn't got a fat lot, really. And so I struggled with the ear because I, some of what... So
0: he's done an episode of Doctors. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he has done an episode of Doctors, and I, I saw that at the very bottom of this. But, you know, um, after I answered the question, I hasten to add, uh, but it's... Wow. Uh, yeah. I <laughs> sense... Don't you,
0: don't you ruin the integrity of my I quiz. I was going
1: to say, I sense some, uh, yeah. Uh, but no, <laughs> <laughs> he's... Um, he, he, he's... He's yeah les misérables I, I don't really know what else to say really for for the f1 eh mm. because it's it, it, i could say the danish girl but i talked about that last week and you know eh. and and mm-hmm. it's the same kind of thing i i sh- i think he's 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 a he's a funny actor because he's i understand why a lot of people find him really like dull or annoying because he has the mm-hmm. propensity for that potentially I, think he's, I like him, and I think he's a nice guy, actually, in real life from what I've seen. Um, but he kind of... Le Miserable, I'll say it properly, is one of those films where he kind of just fades away in it, really. Which you could say the same about <laughs> the film itself. The, miser- the Miserables. The Miserables, yeah. Um, the miserables. It's not a massively memorable film, apart from, you know, Russell Crowe's terrible singing. Um, but it's... Yeah, he plays Marius in that. So that's a rubbish beginning. I've got two better ones for the other ones, though, for the for the good okay. film and the and the rubbish film. But I did struggle with the eh because he's not got a fat lot down here. Do you want a little bit of
2: trivia, which will make us sound just make us sound like character unlock? Oh, any, any
0: Redmayne was in an episode of Doctors? No, um, <laughs> that
2: that has been
0: well and truly established on this podcast. I mean, I- I didn't know if we knew that bit of trivia about him.
2: No, 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 it's good. It's good to just throw in trivia yeah. like that if you've got it. Good trivia. Yeah. Um. What I was going to say.
0: Well, Eddie Redmayne was in an episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going
2: to say, because I'm not really a fan of these games much anymore, but there's a new Final Fantasy game coming out mm. th- this week, next week, I think, Final Fantasy 15, which is huge. And it's getting. L- it's, I, w- I was reading an article on The Guardian about it, I
0: thought that's a bit peculiar. I'll be honest. I've not heard of Final Fantasy since I was about fifteen. Yeah, there's still a massive uh,
2: game series. Um, but what I what I heard about Final Fantasy fifteen on this article actually um, was that the guy who was originally in charge of it, um, when he was, because it's been in production for about a decade. But what happened was he saw Les Mis in the cinema, and he was like, right. I'm gonna make Final Fantasy 15 a musical. What? <laughs> yeah, his plan was to turn Final Fantasy 15, the game, into one massive musical. <laughs> well, they can't. That can't and be then much they weirder. They him off the project.
1: That can't be much yeah. weirder than what they end up being, because they're all mental. So <laughs> it, all w- crazy. it wouldn't be that like difficult.
2: No, but yeah, I just thought that was
0: so weird. How did that plan go? Is the game gonna be a musical?
2: No, they kicked him off the project.
0: Unsurprisingly they replaced him. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, fuck off. Especially basing it on Lame Miz as well. The fucking movie. <laughs> uh, on to my first pick for Colin Farrell. Uh, and I'm going to go with um, Phone Booth, mm. which is really old now, actually, 2003. But he plays Stu Shepherd, a guy who has gone into a phone... I can't remember how he ends up in the phone box. Phone Booth. Phone box film would happen now, would it? If it's set in the present day, it's not happening. You
2: go, n- yeah, n-
0: n- no, one, no one uses him anymore. Nope. Um, so, yeah, but anyway, he's he's caught up in a in a phone box by a guy who knows all about his private life, his indiscretions, and everything, and also has a apparently a sniper rifle trained on him, and he has to kind of try and talk his way out of being killed or explain himself and and whatever. And it's just a film that's really, although it does cut away to other people, it is is really just about Colin Farrell's performance. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot else going on in the film. It is mostly him in the phone box um, acting on his own with, I think it's Keith Sutherland, isn't it? Mm. His voice on the other end of the phone. I think it
1: was, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. He's
0: really quite, quite gripping. And it takes a lot for one person to carry a film on his own. More, more or less on his own.
2: Yeah, one man in a box um, with a phone.
0: Not yeah. many films like that. Buried! Uh, sorry, yeah, it was buried. just as a
2: mid-sentence yeah. and I remembered Buried. That's one man in a box with a phone. Buried.
0: But anyway. which, is, which is another film that I like mm. as well. Um, but no, he, he does really well to pull off a film just by himself, really. It really gets you on his side, even though he's been a bit of a naughty boy and that's why he's in the phone box with a sniper rifle <laughs> trained on him. But, but, you know, it, it makes you kind of empathise with his situation and 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 will for him to get out of it, and you're just impressed by Farrell as a whole. It's like I said, it is mostly mostly him. It's not like buried where it is is only Ryan Reynolds in buried. It's you know there are other characters involved in this one.
2: Lock, but, that's another yeah. one. Sorry, Tom Hardy yes, in Lock. a car with a phone. There's a niche yeah. here. There's a, there must be a letterbox list for this. If not, it needs to be started.
0: L- list is called On Your Own With A Phone.
2: <laughs> yeah, On Your Own With A Phone. Ah, oh, that's a triple bill we're going to have to do at some point. Think of some more films uh, like know. that.
0: I don't know how much Miley is there, <laughs> but yeah. No, probably not right. much. Um, I mean, what's your second Ron Perlman film?
2: Uh, so my second choice, I thought I'd have to pick a movie where Ron Perlman and Guillermo del Toro have worked together. Um, I think the majority of del toro's movies that i've seen to be just a bit too much style over substance um although you know he'd probably argue that style is partly the substance for his movies but anyway the first film where they worked together uh, was on that weird kind of spin on a vampire thing chronos which was back in 93 i don't know if you've ever seen it but which was all right just not brilliant I didn't think. Uh, they also worked together on another vampire y thing, Blade 2, uh, which is probably their first big success together, which was in 2002. Um, but it's still a couple of years away from the success that Hellboy achieved, I think, where it propelled both of them into the mainstream. But you know what? It's. It, it, okay, fair enough. It was the first film that put Ron Perlman front and centre of one of Del Toro's movies. But I've never quite gotten into either of the Hellboy films. The first is just a bit like, I watched a bit of it again today. It's just a bit mid noughties comic book stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit tacky on the surface, a little bit lame even. And, you know, there are scenes that look like they've got some rather wobbly sets. Um, Which is strange because, you know, I've always, in my mind, I've only seen it once before. In my mind, it's always been a bit of one of these very highly stylish things. But watching it again, I was like not very impressed with it. But anyway, what I was going to say is, uh, well, yeah, I'll I'll also say Ron Perlman's great as Hellboy. But beyond that, I don't really like anything about it. Um, So it kind of basically leaves Pacific Rim as my default best Del Toro and Ron Perlman collaboration. You know, it's strange, I guess, because if I had a gun to my head and had to choose, I'd say Pacific Rim, but even that, I mean, I like, but I'm not a a huge fan of. It's just a big, smashy, bangy action movie. You know, it's giant monsters from another dimension facing off against giant robots piloted by rock stars. That's it. That's what the film promises. That's exactly what it delivers. And it's fine if that doesn't seem like your bag. And I know for a lot of people, they're probably instantly thinking of... Michael Bay's Transformers movie, when you say big CGI robots smashing things, um, but I think it's a, it's a hell of a lot more fun than his films are, than than Bay's films are. Um, so Perlman contributes to that fun as much as anybody else in this film, except for maybe Idris Elba, uh, who's having it up as the the big chief. But it, I mean, it it all gets bigger and badder as the film goes on. Uh, it's unlikely to be compared favourably to the more intelligently like crafted uh, Japanese animes like Neon Genesis Evangelion and Gundam Wing. You know that it's like lovingly an ode to, uh, but you know what? I think it's just a daft, entertaining, popcorn muncher of a film. And so, in my book, it makes it the most enjoyable Ron Perlman Guillermo del Toro movie.
0: Okay, um, and Tony, what's the second film you're picking for Eddie Redmayne? I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna go for his for his probably his best one, his good one, um, and it's an obvious pick, but it's the Theory of Everything, which I did enjoy quite a lot actually, and I know he get he gets a fair bit of flack for um for his portrayal of Stephen Hawking, um, but I I think he did I think he did a really good job, you know, and I I you know it was a, a film that alone is worth the admission for making me like Felicity Jones. Because <laughs> she's normally crap in everything, <laughs> so it's just it's it's not it's not a bad film, and they they I think work quite well together, and I think he really does de- depict that transformation from him being this you know genius full of life and you know a bit you know um, movement to going to this you know the Stephen Hawking we know today who's still got his mental faculties amazingly, but um, he's he's in a chair he's trapped you know in that sense and it's it's just a, it's really well put together no, 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 again I know not everybody loved The Theory of Everything and I did, wouldn't say I loved it but I thought it was I thought it was good really good and I think it's probably his most committed and impressive performance yet of a career that I think people think he's done more than he has and I think it's he hasn't yet had that film and I'm not convinced Fantastic Beasts will be it but he hasn't yet had that film that makes everyone go wow this guy um but the theory of everything's close so that would be my 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 best pick for red main i'm saving the best till last and you probably guessed what it is but i'll say is it th- his best worst performance yes yeah you know yeah you, i know you, exactly what it's you know be. where we're going
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah Although I thought, no, I'm not going to carry on with that again. <laughs> <laughs> I was
1: just going to say his performance. I'm not. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what you're going to say there as well. <laughs> and it does. It does. People are, are are half and half on the theory of everything. You know, some people think he was god awful. I think you know. I I think he was good. So it's it's. I don't it is... think he was god awful. I think he was just basically doing an impression.
2: I don't think it, there was there was any. Gra- it, it sounds like a nobbish thing to say again. Like I, I have done on every podcast <laughs> for the past year. There's no gravitas in his performance. There's no pizzazz. There's nothing
0: there that's but like. Is that is that because he's doing an impression? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think. So would you say the same? Would you say the same of uh, Michael Sheen and The Damned United or Frost Nixon? No,
2: no, no, not at all. Because I think they're giving actual proper performances, whereas. It seems Eddie Redmayne's concentrating on being Stephen Hawking.
1: I I think I, Do, does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I I think the, that's a good comparison because to be fair, Michael Sheen is a fantastic actor, wipes the floor with Redmayne. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and but he he's not just a great actor; he's also a you you could put him up there with your John Coleshaws and you, your greatest sort of you know impressionists. Michael, <laughs> yeah, Michael yeah, Sheen true. actually knows how to become these people. You know. Not just physically, but also he can do the voices. Whereas Redmayne, he can't do that. But I think what he gave was quite a, it, yeah, it was an impression. But I think yeah. it mo- it was moving at the same time. And I think that's not just him. That's 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 a lot of other people. It moved me, um, and I think that's mm. that's the key really. Um,
2: yeah because michael sheen like he basically just puts on someone's skin and then yeah, acts he does he, do, he okay. gives the performance whereas eddie redmayne was just like um uh, how, how, how does steven i'll do what Stephen hawking does i said um, be, be, be
1: very careful just, with this one <laughs>
2: we're not going there again we're not reigniting we're not bringing back brooker's favored word from last week the word of the week.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Sp- speaking of words, I-, I I will say, I think the way you said gravitas earlier, Owen, had a lot of gravitas. You, oh, thank you very you much. Re- <laughs> you really pulled that word. You went gravitas. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. It, it's, it, I think that's just
2: the, you know, you could say anything and give it the inflection. You know, you could sort of, you know, s- sexual deviance. And then that seems like a sexual deviant saying it. You can do with anything. Are you basically
1: saying you're you're a sexual deviant? Is that what you're confessing on this podcast? No. With gravitas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you've proved your point now. <laughs> with with the word gravitas. Mm-hmm. Back to, to Colin Farrell. <laughs> yes. Um, when you look for his filmography, he he's a very hit and miss man. Uh, looking, looking through it, there doesn't seem to be much middle ground. It's either hit or shit. <laughs> hit or shit, um, which which might make a new quiz round. We never know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the the one I'm going for now is Minority Report, a film based on the the Philip K. Dick novel, sci-fi film. And let's be honest, this isn't a Colin Farrell film. He's in it. He's he's a main major character in it. It's a Tom Cruise film. He's carrying this. And it's about the, uh, in the future, the police have the ability to predict the future of sorts and can arrest you for committing a crime that you are going to commit rather than one that you have committed. Um, and Tom Cruise's character breaks out of that system and uh, all that kind of thing. Um, Theresa May's favourite idea, isn't it? Her favourite concept yeah, at the it's, moment. It's becoming more true by the day. Yeah. Politics um, satire. Uh, yes, yep. yes <laughs> with... Love love a bit of that. I think really? if you say
2: satire, people will believe you.
0: Doesn't matter that it wasn't yeah. very satirical. Yeah, and they think you're really deep. I think I'm really clever. clever and intelligent if I just yeah. go satire. Probably invite probably invite us on the bugle or something.
2: Exactly. we we'll, we we'll John yeah, Oliver's or replacement.
0: I, or have I got news for you or something like that? will be on it. Yeah. Um no. but we won't. No. <laughs> um, but no this 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 film is is it's really good, really interesting sci fi, interesting concept and um, ideas behind it, and as well as that, some good action scenes. Tom Cruise is is on top. Tom Cruise form, and you know, supporting cast including Colin Farrell, also very good. I, I I like it was interesting. I like film setting in a in in a future where things are things are a bit different. Not it's not quite dystopian this one, but that kind of thing.
2: It's kind of anti utopian because it's saying that they've created this utopian society, but look how shit it really is kind of thing. Yeah. Which is what, you know, good sci-fi should make you think about, stuff like that, right? I mean, it's obviously pretend it's been created by Philip K. Dick, but it's, at, at the heart of it, it makes you, like that satire thing earlier, just make basically makes you think of how it's relevant to, uh, you know, how you can apply it to today and to the world around you, which is the the mark of a great, sci-fi and I think it's a good concept um, I haven't read Philip K. Dick's book um, but the film I, I don't know when was the last time you watched Minority Report do you remember? probably a few years ago realistically mm. I'd recommend giving it a, another watch now okay and see what you think because I the first time I ran, thought it was okay second time I, ran, I thought it was a bag of dicks bag of a dicks.
0: bag of dicks a bag of dicks that's that's good for writing. Very, very good. Very good. How articulate. Mm. Yeah. Um. I while runner a bag of dicks, <laughs> what's your last choice for Ron Perlman?
2: Uh yeah, thanks. But,
0: <laughs> so so uh, I did
2: mention at the start of the triple bill that Ron Perlman has been in some kind of stinkers in his time, and he was in that god awful, uh, Yui Ball fantasy film. In the Name of the King, with Jason Statham and Rayleigh Otto. He was in the Deathly Doll Conan the Barbarian remake with Aquaman, um, also known as Jason Momoa. And I I didn't even know he was in the Island of Dr. Moreau until I actually watched it. After the Lost Souls documentary, um, the Richard Stanley thing about his attempt to get Island of, of Dr. Moreau off the ground because it omitted any details about Ron Perlman's involvement, because he didn't want to be interviewed. So it was only when I watched it, I was like, what the fuck is Ron, Ron Perlman doing in this? Um, yeah, so he's been in a lot of crap. He was in an action movie called Skin Trade, which I watched because it was on Netflix, um, mainly because it had Tony Jaa and Dolph Lundgren on the poster. Um, uh, yeah, so that was garbage as well. But the film that I think is most frequently held up as like, the example of a, a backwards move or a sidestep for, for Peltman was starring in Jean-Pierre Juno's um, Alien Resurrection. Now, although I don't think it's quite as rubbish as a lot of other people seem to make it out to be, I I, I was putting notes together for this and I, I was struggling to defend it because it's it's not... it's I don't know what it is. It's not a sci-fi paranoia horror, like the original. It's not like a, a satirical action movie, like Aliens is. It's not a, like, stripped-back claustrophobic uh, space drama, like the third one is. It's just a plodding mesh of ideas with with no cohesion, or any, uh, um, like, pull that, to keep you from, from drifting off, you know, to stop you from stopping paying attention to the mess that's just unfolding in front of you. Um I think it's well documented as well that Joss Whedon's script is not what we finally got to see on the screen, which is a shame because the stronger strongest thing is about Joss Whedon's stories usually and his creations. And the strongest thing about Alien Resurrection are, are, are the characters, not necessarily because they're very they've got much depth to them because they haven't. But it's it's the camaraderie, it's the interaction that you get between them, because you get to different types of people, and they're put into this bizarre situation. Um, but you don't really... I mean, the less said about the ending to Alien Resurrection, the better. But it, it would have just been nice to see these different personalities fleshed out a bit more, uh, instead of being, like, one-dimensional flops that spread, uh, where am I going with this, spread like muck across the the screen. It's a smeared shit of a film is basically what I'm trying to get at. So yeah, hopefully Steve's, um, hopefully Steve that's as good a reason as any to pick a final film for this week's Triple Bill. It's a smeared
0: shit of a movie. Yeah, sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. How- good. Good. <laughs> Tony, a bag of dicks and a smeared shit. Yeah. we've got we, we're covering all bases. Tony, what what are you picking for your final Eddie film?
1: I'm going to go with the very bad Eddie Redmayne <laughs> performance, where he plays a super villain with a terrible voice. <laughs> um, yeah, you knew this was coming, Owen. Uh, it's, <laughs> I did. It's the bizarre Jupiter Ascending from last year, where. Um, Eddie Redmayne basically plays like a, a, a rich sort of royal space alien family or whatever um, who's after, I can't even remember what but he's a, he's after Channing Tatum and Myla Kunis anyway um, and he plays the whole film like this you know and, and he literally mm-hmm. that's what he does for the entire film um, that's what he thinks a villain should sound like presumably uh, and the, the comedy of it was that he got nominated for best actor for The theory of everything, and it was around the same time that this came out. So he, yeah. he, he's he gave his worst and his best performance in the space of two months. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's quite com- it's quite comedic. This I think underscores what ready med Ed, medi medi ready, Med... Medmate <laughs> medi- <laughs> It's half past eleven. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's playing Newt Scaramanga, <laughs> Newt Scaramanga. <Yeah. laughs> Medi Medi, Medi- medbane playing Newt Scaramanga
2: We've, we have created the <laughs> Asylum blockbuster version of Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> we have Newt Scaramanga <laughs> um, Medi medbane and his performance <laughs> is Newt Scaramanga uh, in the Great Beasts <laughs> and they're around the corner well, that, that, <laughs> yeah.
1: or as Brooker amusingly said fantastic teats and where to milk them or something like that <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant
0: well, I mean, I did, I did, because you know how we try and base the quiz, least loosely, around what the main release film is. My, my idea that I did have was going to be fantastic breasts Where to find them. It's going to be in, in, what, in what film does a famous actress go topless?
2: I'm glad you decided to get against that.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm because the research, because the research would have been fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, no, I wouldn't have minded looking that up. Um, yeah. Anyway, like, sorry, uh, Tony. <laughs> no, no, just uh, he. Uh, he he plays Balam Abrasax, which is no sillier name than Newt Scaramanga really. And it's it's just it's one of those films. It's w- the Wachowskis who've you know with this and Sense Eight have m- disappeared up their own sphincters for good, I think. And it's just it's just one of those films that could have been could have been good, could have been good fun. It's just going to be remembered as being. Weirdly, weirdly rubbish, and except for a fantastic score by Michael Giacchino, that deserves to be listened to independently. You don't have to watch the film; just listen to the music. But yeah, Redman's Redman's just terrible. He's terrible in not not even in a good camp. Let's have a laugh way. He's just terrible. The the only the only fun thing from it is the voice. Yep. you can do the voice, <laughs> and that's about it. But after even after that, after like two minutes, you get fed up with that. So. He, he is he is a marmite actor, he really is, and this proves it.
2: Yeah, that was such a weirdly crap film, wasn't it? there's a lot of hype yeah. for it because it took ages to come out, and it was just,
1: it just shit. It was so bad. It, it was it was it was bollocks. It was yeah. it was all about like alien like royals and bees and Sean yeah. Bean, and uh, I, yeah. I, got to, I got to about halfway through and I went Sean Bean with a northern accent in it as well. Who's Channing Titan's mentor, so he's going. Oh, Channing, you gotta fight bees. Bees are <laughs> gonna kill all the royal family in space. I was like, what the fuck am I watching here? These are <laughs> the guys who made the made the Matrix. Does Sean Bean die in yeah, it? yeah, he does. I think, doesn't he? I think yeah. he does, Owen, doesn't he? Possibly. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure yeah, he does. Of course he does. Of course he does.
0: But it's, it's just,
1: deathful. it's mental. It's it's mm. not good mental. You know, it's 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 just shit. I think shit. The, yeah. the film was. A, I mean, it's one of these weird things
2: because. Um, I can't remember which one of the Wachowskis it was was transitioning during the making of that film and so there's a lot in it which I think is about gender politics like the way Channing Tatum is really heavily maked up and glittering and stuff I think it's to try and demasculate him so you, when you read stuff like that you think oh so there's, there's kind of a point to it but basically it's just a unwatchable <laughs> piece of
0: crap overall I'm mm. sure there's good intentions but it's just it's yeah. just appalling uh, my final film for for Colin Farrell and I've not seen him Bruce so I can't pick that one <gasps> you what Oh, no. yeah Steve it's one of those films I've never got around to watching it I've never do it him. man you've got to yeah <laughs> I don't know, I've, I've never just sort of... It's never been on, like, on TV when I've been around to watch it. Do you know what? It's the sort of film you would absolutely love as well. Yeah. It's exactly your seen, sort of film. I've seen it come up on like any video of the oh, man that I subscribe to. Do it. And it's just passed me by. So the film that I've gone for to round off my triple bill is, is Seven Psychopaths from a couple of years ago mm-hmm. where he is a, a, a writer and his mate is played by Sam Rockwell who's a struggling actor who, to make money, kidnaps dogs and then collects the ransom money, not ransom money, the reward money that people put up for the dogs to just bring them back and claim that he found them. Um, And they kidnapped the wrong dog of um, Woody Harrelson's character, who is a a gangster who's pretty mental. And I, I just thought it was very different. I thought... The, the Colin Farrell Sam Rockwell Woody Harrelson Christopher Walken all really good in it um, I really like Sam Rockwell and Woody Harrelson um, and yeah again it's a film I haven't seen in a while but it was just in, it was interesting it was different the way it was done the way that the story was a bit non-linear and a bit it, 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 it was it was different it was interesting it was good performances across the board um it's always annoying when I do these triple pills because it's always films that I haven't seen for a while and can't <laughs> quite remember. I just know that I liked them and some vague things as to why. Um, Owen, you must have seen this. Do you know what? I actually haven't. Tony, you must have seen this. Yeah, I have. Yeah, um, yeah, good. it's all right.
1: It's all right. If 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 you if you really like this, you will absolutely cream your pants over in Bruges because it's by the same guy. It's mm. it's it's the same people involved. Um, i think i think it's it's decent but it it didn't really blow me away i don't remember a fat lot about it but it it it's it's all right i enjoyed it for what it was but yeah it's not even remotely as good as in so you're gonna love that steve you just gotta go and watch it yeah
2: really i mean i can't stress how much i thought you'd already said this and how much you would have absolutely I, i thought you were leaving it till last i honestly thought that's what was happening yeah same
0: wow Okay, um so that's all for Driffle Bill, nearly all for the podcast. Uh, just some recommendations to come up. Oh and what are you telling people to watch?
2: On BBC iPlayer at the moment, as part of their Storyville series, uh is the documentary Wiener, Sex, Scandals and Politics, which is about the um documentary about the uh politician Anthony Wiener. Who uh, was renamed for scandals relating to sexting? Um, so it kind of looks at what happened to his campaign, um, how his reputation was affected by basically sending dick pics to people. And it's weird because you watch it, we've it all isn't done
0: really. It, we've all
2: done it. <laughs> well, you say we've all done it. <laughs> <Go
0: on. laughs> if, if, neither, if, if neither of you two have done that, then you, if you're telling us that now, you're liars. I've, I can <laughs> hand on heart. I just
2: say I've never sent a dick pic. Liar, Tony. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Uh, d- d- no. <laughs> liar, absolute liar.
2: Oh dear, both, Steve.
0: Both of you, liars. We voted Steve as a sex pest. Yeah, <laughs> sexual deviants. So, yeah. Both of you liars.
2: Why would you even? Do, I don't know why you would send someone a picture of your knob. What's the fascination? <laughs> what? No, They're literally, literally asking the question there. Why would you. Let's, let's pin this down big talk. Why would you send someone a picture of your dick?
0: Give the people what they want. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> nothing nothing mm. to be ashamed of.
2: Is this people who've asked for it? Have you sent it to strangers? I'm not say
0: it unsolicited, no. Okay. So that it's it was solicited, it was that requested, that it was requested. That's slightly yeah. different then, yeah. That's fine. It was in, dem- it was in demand. Yeah. Uh, at the time, um. Anyway, so yeah, you're telling people to watch that. Um,
2: I'm telling people to watch Wiener. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um Weiner taking... is his
2: name by the way. That's not just like a thing. he was called Wiener and he was caught sending dick pics to people. Yeah. It's
1: not brilliant. your not your Weiner Steve, right? I know you sending it to everyone but this isn't your
0: Wiener
2: He was caught sending Steve Norman's dick pics to people. <laughs> Solicited.
0: Well, uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm going to Netflix and if you like um old World War 2 films, the theatrical cut Das Boot has now gone to Netflix. Ooh, uh, it's a long one. The theatrical cut's not
2: it. as not as long, though, is it? Thankfully,
0: <laughs> it's not like no. four hours long. No, it's it's still two and a half. Mm. It's uh, but no, it's it's definitely worth watching. And Tony,
1: uh, TV show for me, Netflix, uh, season two of well, what was called Scrotal Recall, and is now unfortunately called Lovesick. Um, which is a a fun comedy about a guy who has to he finds out he 's got an s t d and he has to basically contact all his ex girlfriends and tell them that he 's got an s t d and then you see in flashback the story of all those girls, so each episode is a different girl. And uh, he's it's just really good. There is a little cast of characters. He's got some wacky like flatmates and friends, and there is a love story with one of the women. But it's 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 good. It's a funny show. It's a funny show. So that's back for season two now. But yeah, they've given it a shit rebrand title called Love Sick, whereas Scrotal Recall was fucking brilliant as a title, and they've screwed that over. But yeah, it's fun. Check it out.
2: Do you know what? I didn't watch it because of the title. Squirtle Recall that's oh,
1: oh, uh, uh, well, a shame because it is it is actually quite good so check it out and they've changed the name
0: now so you're alright <laughs> okay <laughs> I could yeah. watch it yeah. yeah. okay well that is all for this week's Fail Critics Podcast uh, thank you for all for listening we'll be back in a week with another one Owen what's going to be on that
2: um we are doing Allied and Paterson if it's shown anywhere um The new Jim Jarmusch film, which I doubt it is. There's a couple of other things out. So I think Bad Santa 2 is out, um, which I'm imagining Paul, who will be our guest, will absolutely (laughs) see.
0: Okay. Yes, that is finally all for uh, this week's Veiled Critics podcast. I thank you all for listening. Um, Tony, have you anything to plug?
1: Yeah. um, I mentioned The X-Files earlier, but I do a podcast called The X-Cast, which is, uh, yeah, all all about the X Files. Um, we've yeah, check out if you if you're a fan of the show, check it out this weekend because we've got the composer of the show on the show called Mark Snow, quite a well-known guy in the music field. Wow. Yeah. Um. So yeah, check it out. It's uh, you can just type in the X Cast and it's all there. It's on Facebook, Twitter, the lot. So,
0: yep. Lovely. Yes, definitely check that out, and you'll be back with me you now in next week.
2: The Failed Critics podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, on Twitter at failedcritics, and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash failedcritics. Thanks for listening.